creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. Today I'm speaking to John Meyer, a composer, multi-instrumentalist. I saw a few of his videos on YouTube and I wanted to meet him. He composes music for sound libraries, he does all kinds of sampling. He's a producer, a recording engineer, he's a great filmmaker. He's making really cool videos. We had a lot to talk about with technology, but we also had a lot to talk about with just being alive, being human, doing our thing on planet Earth. Hello, Lauren, how are you? I'm pretty excellent, how are you? Doing all right, doing all right. It's wild to watch someone's lots of videos and then have them in their same setup actually talking to you. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. you're coming out of the TV. <laughs> yeah, you know, my camera just kind of sits in this spot and I don't have a webcam, so I figured out I could just use the camera and never have to move it. And yeah, I get that comment occasionally when I hop on a Zoom call with somebody, they think they're on YouTube. <laughs> They're live on YouTube. Well, we kind of are because we're going to put this on YouTube and uh, we're going to put it into the sound file, make it a, a podcast. But I just wanted to get on and say hello to you and meet you because you're doing such cool stuff. Oh, you know? thank you. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I'm always trying to find another artist that I think has got a richness to them and a depth and something to say that actually feels real to me, you know, and it feels authentic. And so I've seen a couple of your videos and I just thought, wow, you've got something going on. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, I've been around for a while, I guess, 20 something years and done a lot of things and uh, one was teaching. We could talk about that. You know, I taught at a, a production school and everything just kind of came together and YouTube made sense with my interests. And it's been a unbelievable, uh, you know, just the people that I've met because of it, like yourself and the opportunities that have come my way because of it. I, it's kind of changed my life uh, just That's in cool. a lot of things that I do. And so uh but i appreciate you saying that I, I try to i try to share as honestly as i can about you know my how i managed to kind of squeeze my way through the music business for 25 years you know I, uh, it's been a long fun road but it's been challenging at times and i, I think most people uh we don't hear that as much but i try to put it in and do a perspective that hopefully it's encouraging as well but it's a lot of work it is encouraging. Um, I think you're hitting it on the head in some of the ones that I've been watching recently where you're saying like, we all need artistic company and we're looking for connection. Mm -hmm. And you kind of need to know sometimes that we all realize it's pretty rough and it can be kind of rocky and stuff, but that the music itself is the reward. I think that's mm -hmm. what we often lose, lose sight of is how magical and fun it is to be actually in that creative process and how exciting that is. And even just talking about it isn't enough. It's like, you got to be in it, doing it. And yeah. that makes everything okay. Otherwise the world is a little too wacky. Yeah, I, because of this making videos, and, and, and to me, it 
making videos is an artistic expression. I try to make it so, and it kind of checks some of those boxes that that music always checked as far as like, I think about it all the time. I'm I'm, I'm I've got ideas and and to me that's what's so fun about any creative process is that it's not just the moment you're playing. It's just you're always trying to think of a new way to express yourself. But when I find myself in those days where I just block it out and all I'm doing is writing, I kind of remember, uh, oh yeah, it takes a while to get into that state of of making and creating. But when you do get it, it's really it's really fun and just like the, those moments of discovery that where you kind of work and you think and, and then something happens and you're like, oh okay, that's that's really what I <laughs> where I, what I want to chase now. So yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the results. I mean, I love being able to share things and and that's what YouTube has given me is an, an, an outlet. You know, sometimes when you write music, there's not many people there to listen to it at the end. Um, uh, it, it can be a challenge sometimes, but uh, yeah, that you realize when you're doing it, yeah, it's just, it's just such a fun process. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, a friend of mine has it correctly. Uh, this other artist I know, Kate Chadbourne, will always say, you know, the world is a very magical place and the arts, especially the creative process. And the idea is to remember to keep using it, <laughs> to use yes. the magic that's out there. That It's like if you find that little place where it's so exciting to be and you start to get that flow and that momentum going, it's the most delicious thing on earth. You know, it's just so fascinating. And mm -hmm. uh that's why for a while when I was much younger and I was writing so many songs, I noticed I had almost written a song a month, even just one whole song a month. And I was very young at the time, maybe 12. I thought, what, what do you, are, are you not feeling creative on these two months? Why didn't you write one for those two months as well? You almost wrote one whole song a month. And I thought if I love doing it so much, why don't I do it more often? You know, and I had accidentally fallen into it, but it was such an exciting thing to find. And yeah. I just wanted to feel that way as often as I could. So when did you start, when did you fall in love with even making sounds on instruments and what came first writing or, or playing an instrument? Uh, well, this was a long time ago now. Uh, I, I'm i much older than you, so I'm sure you can remember. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm 44, so I was around <laughs> middle school age, and I was given a guitar and saying the guy at my church played guitar, and I was just amazed by it, and I wanted to do that. <laughs> and so to me, it was always a balance of kind of playing guitar, but he also had this four track Tascam recorder and it was a cassette deck. And so my, I mean, I played piano and that kind of thing. Uh, I took some lessons, but I never really stayed with it. And I was in band too, kind of at this time, but I don't, I didn't do that much past my middle school ages, but my memories were playing this guitar, but also learning how to use this little recorder and playing mm -hmm. a little, I would help him. And, and so for me, there's always been a connection between recording music and making music. Like me the technology too. side of thing was very interesting to me along with the creative side. And I would, I would learn to create so that I could record it. Absolutely. And then I, and it, to me, that was fascinating. And then I could layer things on top of it. And then that led to, you know, my first 
PC when I was in high school and a little sound card M audio or something MIDI man or something like that. And, and I would, so that's, that's kind of my path. It's always been those two things. I don't remember much without, you know, the fascination with getting it down and learning that medium, but also with creating. And so I always, uh, just wanted to make my own stuff. Yeah, me too. And and the, the way in which it translates from how it sounds live or even in your head as an idea, then live as you play it, and then as a recorded finished record. Yeah. And taking that tiny idea and turning it into a finished record was really, really cool and exciting. And like you say, it was matched very early for me as well. And all different types of recording devices, like little boxes with little reel-to-reels in them that my dad had, and big web core tape recorders, and cassette to cassette, and then a quarter-inch four-track reel-to-reel TAC, and then a half-inch eight-track Tascam, and then ADATs, and then finally Logic. So ADAT, so that's where I jumped on. Like ADAT. the studio that I got in was, uh, they had just studio. finished their ADAT, so I was, I was Pro Tools really. Cakewalk, I think I used, and then Pro Tools, and so I can't even operate a tape machine. I, I, that's that's my that's how you define my generation. Is I was the last one that missed that. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have known how to do it, but uh, I just missed it. You didn't miss tapeists, though. I'm sure. I mean, that's one of the things that is really exciting to me about digital recording, and the fact that when I finally finish a song doesn't take that long for me but when i finish the song and i do the just written version that first version it used to just go on to a little cassette and it would be noisy uh-huh. you know hundreds of songs later sometimes some of those never got turned into records so those demos are just dinky cassette versions whereas yeah. now if i do a little just written version and it's on logic i can turn that into the finished record yeah yeah, so yeah that is an interesting it seems like the demo is not really as much of a thing as it once was, where you would just record on some device that could make it sound okay. But nowadays, we I just kind of take it all the way, you know? Sure, why not? Yeah. And I liked, there was another video you were talking about in Finding Your Own Voice. I really liked that you didn't mind the approach. Some artists really take issue with it, but of imitating some of the greats to learn how to talk, to learn how to play well. Because mm-hmm. I'm always telling my students, you didn't grow up under a rock and yeah. learn how to speak English or learn the alphabet or learn yeah. the language by yourself. You learned English one word at a time. You know? mm-hmm. And to learn how to really play an instrument well by copying people who play it tremendously well really mm-hmm. teaches you how to make a good noise. Like your individual voice is your heart, your soul, your fingerprints. You've already got that. You just have to learn how to make a good noise, you know? Yeah. So well, it's the combination of all those. And there's just something about it, you know, when you may never get to the level of that player that did that sound, but you you do understand the little things that have to happen with your fingers to recreate that sound at least 80% of the way. Yeah. And those things are those are universal. That that guitar player didn't come up with that way of muting one <laughs> string while playing another. You know that, and and sometimes we don't we don't even attempt that kind of technique 
until we're we're trying to do what someone else did. So, yeah, I do get. I understand this idea that I'm an artist and I do my own thing, but sometimes that's a bit of a crutch, and that, or that's just a bit of a one of the we we like to make these uh, little stories that we can we can live by as artists that we do things a certain way, and I'm all for that. But there's a point where, you know, there's a lot to learn from people that have, that have done this before us, and. Yeah. Why not? And I regret, I mentioned that in the video, I regret, not regret, that's a strong word, but I would always write my own stuff. And so I could do my own thing, but I wish that I would have spent more time learning, which is so much easier to do now because YouTube yeah. is just such an incredible teacher. Yeah. And uh, as far as you can find exactly what you want to learn and learn it. So but go uh, to the source, go to the original person who played it, go to the original recording. Don't yeah. take 15 other people's versions of what they think they played, because it's often filled with wrong notes, wrong chords, and wrong yeah. articulation, phrasing, and yeah. know, getting getting it out. That touch is completely different. Uh, like for a while, I was the one that had started all the playing classes that played the Beatles music at Berklee College of Music. And... In those early days, students came in loving the Beatles, knowing the Beatles, and very familiar with the frame of reference of what they sounded like and how they played their instruments. Since then, there's been many, many generations later, people are coming in and all they have is Hendrix influence or mm -hmm. Satriani influence. And when they go to play those licks, they don't sound like George or Paul or John playing those licks. They sound like mm -hmm. Satriani or Hendrix. And they can't get that out of their playing. I said, that's yeah. fine, but you can't have only that flavor. Like, yeah. do at least 14 other guitar players and get more flavors so that you don't sound like a clone, but you can start to sound like yourself and you're capable of making any kind of noise and sound or phrasing that you mm -hmm. want you know, you, the idea is to give yourself goosebumps playing these things, these instruments, the way your favorite heroes have so that you feel like you're really doing it right, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it feels fulfilling. Because if it's going to move you, it's going to move somebody else. Exactly. So fun. Yeah. Now, the other video I noticed, you were talking to your friend. You were saying, this is my songwriting therapist. You were... Uh, concerned about writing lyrics have how much time was between publishing that video and and um you maybe readdressing that what have you been doing to write lyrics that have been helpful to you now since that well i have not i have not been and that's uh actually something i'm thinking a lot about now because you know part of my or my main business that i'm in is i write for music libraries and in that video, I think I mentioned that to me, it's just so much more difficult to write songs with lyrics and, and I needed to create a bunch of a lot of music. And so I just kind of turned that part of my brain off and uh, started writing as much instrumental music as possible. And so, yeah, it's been hard turning that back on, but I'm endeavoring on a new project where I'm going to have to do that. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a focus for the next couple months for sure but it is interesting i don't know if i'm alone in this but uh yeah i, I don't know i'm just a, i'm a harsh critic of all my words i'm not good at 
at letting things go unless I think that they are perfect, whatever my version of perfect is. Mm. And uh, I can I can get myself in a rut pretty quick. So that's that is one point of emphasis for the next couple of weeks and months is getting some of those thoughts down. Have you heard of the book Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg? No. It's a really cool book about writing and writing write. anything. And um, writing down the bones. She's always talking about getting back to beginner's mind, which is a whole Zen way of looking at it. There's also a lot of the Pat Patterson approaches. Mm -hmm. He's a teacher at Berkeley that I had even when I was a student. And two of his cool things are free association and object writing. Yes. I, uh, I taught, I used that book, uh, the Writing Better Lyrics book, okay. when, I, when I taught. Right. It was kind of a beginner level course, so we didn't get too deep into songwriting, but that was a book that we referenced. But I often feel the way you do about lyrics because I don't read hundreds of books a year the way some of my friends do. And I am very uh, musical in the sense that I'm instrumental, I feel. Like I can feel like there are chords that I fall in love with and I can like live in a chord or two, like some of the textures and the sounds and the soundscapes that you create when I was listening to them. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, these are gorgeous. I could, I could just live here. You know, you, they just feel like they're, you're surrounded by these beautiful sounds and it's just a gorgeous place to be. And I'm also very introverted for uh, a college professor, in a sense, because of the <laughs> artist's side. So yeah. I have to consciously turn on the lyrics. But I'm very playful with words because of the Beatles and how crazy they were. I mean, the, the nuttiness of them and the, the freedom of that is what mm -hmm. I grew up with. So for me, I like the beginner's mind idea that Natalie gets into because it's like, really, at first, if you're just doing a draft, anything goes. Mm -hmm. Why not, like free association, just fill a page full of nothing? And the yeah. idea is, if you're playing with a mandolin like you do, or a ukulele, or a drum or a bass or something it's like if you're playing around with the stuff the instruments you will come up with ideas that those things generate if you play with words you also come up with words so if i just do a brain dump and fill a page i have whole notebooks full of just nonsense just any mm -hmm. sense that comes to my mind including the judgment of how stupid is this but i do love fountain pens on smooth paper and you know yeah. just the writing tools themselves enjoying playing with the tools then all of a sudden it gets into a layer that's a little deeper and it's not a journal it's just gibberish but then I don't judge it or look at it or care about it because I think the mistake we make is we think it has to be a brilliant lyric right off the bat mm -hmm. and none of them often come off that way at first. You know, it's very often a, a thing where it's several drafts and we don't see people working on those so we don't think we're doing it yeah. right. But we're humans. We do it the same way everybody does it. Like one of the examples I always give is John Lennon walking around Bermuda and seeing the flowers for sale and they're called double fantasy. And everybody thinks it just came out of his head that it was a fantastic title and isn't he a genius? And of course he is, but we all are because we're all humans and we all have a spirit and we all have this fantastic magic inside of us. And all we have to do is remember how to use it. And so he was able to see that and make it go, ding, that is a fantastic thing I could use. So mm -hmm. because when we start thinking 
that we can't and words aren't our thing, we close it off. And then even when beautiful phrases like that are popping up in the world, we're not catching them because mm -hmm. like the reticular activating system is not paying attention to that. But as mm -hmm. soon as you tell your brain, hey, we're looking for words, we're looking for something to write about, looking for something for that second verse. Then when I go to a movie or something, somebody says something in the film and I go, that's exactly the word I was looking for. <laughs> you know, stuff like that happens and it's really fun. Yeah, I made uh, back in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, I released an album of kind of folk songs and, and singer songwriter. And I, I just remember be, being so locked into the process and I worked so hard at it. And I was more receptive and aware of the ideas and the little words and the little things that would pop up. And I, uh, I was, I do better job of notes and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's like exercising or whatever. When you, when you let it go, you often have to kind of start over again and, and work your way back into that, that mindset. And that's something I, I would like to do. It's just hours in the day and, uh, and out outlets competing, I have quite a few things going on in my brain and sometimes I just jump from one project to the next and I need to find some, some ways to uh, simplify that. Yeah. But the cool thing then when you go back to that writing, it's like, I don't, I don't go back and read any because I know it's nonsense. Mm -hmm. but if I have a guitar idea all of a sudden, then I'm like, Oh wow. I, I, I'm feeling that thing come over me. I could write a song right now. What words have I got? What, what is there to sing? And very often when I'm playing, it's like a very Paul Simon kind of moment where he says he gets attached to a vowel sound and you're just mm. ding it ding it ding oh and some kind of vowel sound pops in your mind and it feels like that's the right sound that should be there so you say the word oh or you say the word how or whatever the vowel sound is and for some reason it's like okay good i might have one piece of the puzzle because that feels like a good moment and then you start adding a rhyme a bad rhyme or use f <laughs> something in the free association that ca catches your mind uh, your attention and you throw that in and you're singing a sentence you have no idea what you're even talking about you know? yeah but it starts to come together like a puzzle that you haven't seen the box top for and to me i'm okay with not knowing when i was talking to eric mazel who's written over 50 books on creativity he was saying a lot of artists have trouble with the fact of not knowing and it bugs yeah. them and it's irritating and frustrating but to to me i i don't mind the challenge i don't care if it takes even a few weeks i know i can write a song in an hour but if this one takes a while that's fine i'm not in any kind of hurry usually but then the object writing is a whole other thing it's like you know you want to write a song about a specific thing and you let yourself prose free write about it and then sometimes a line pops out Mm -hmm. about what you want to say like writing a love song once i went back and read it after i had some music and i saw the phrase wish upon me and i thought there's a, that that's the title so i wrote a song yeah called, called wish upon me you know so these things accidentally happen when you're allowing it to open and spend a little time there and not feel bad that you haven't spent time there before like you're saying your brain has so many things that it's trying to accomplish and jobs that you're working on but to be open and playful and say, but I know words are in there and they will happen. And I know I haven't been putting time in it, but it's going to be okay because I expect that they'll show. And when I need them, they'll be there for me. Like that kind of expectation and ease about it actually helps me get back into the groove of what that might be or anything else I have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, that's inspiring. It makes me 
you've got me thinking about how when we get off this call here, I might have to sit down and write a bunch of nonsense down on paper. Scratch away. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm explaining that to a class one day. I give them all that assignment. Fill a page with a bunch of gibberish. See if you can write a couple of lines of a lyric from it and then come up with some kind of melody and chords for it, you know? So that's their assignment. This one guy brings in this tune and he, the first thing was, please read your blurb, then read us your lyric and then play us your song. So he reads us the blurb and it's single words separated by commas. It's not even full thoughts, sentences or phrases or funny rhymes or anything. It's just single stupid words like you could pull off the top of your head, like fret, box, door, shower, amp, pick, <laughs> pickle. You know, like it just doesn't make you like, dude, you didn't really do the assignment, you know. And <laughs> he reads his lyric and we all go, oh. And then he plays us the song and we'll go, I want to write a song like that. Yeah, wow. So wild. So I have a song called Sometimes that started off like that. And there's just a page of words separated by commas. I put it in another video and uh, <laughs> it's words like riddle and star filled ceiling and uh, beyond and talk and, you know, whatever, just stupid random things. But one day, a month later, I'm playing my acoustic. I've got this really interesting progression going on. And I go, okay, where's my word book? Where's the word book? Grab it. And because I had a cold and my voice wasn't happening, I saw the words beyond talk. And so huh. as soon as I said beyond talk, my brain said, I am tired and needing this change. Cause we were going to be in between semesters and it mm -hmm. triggered a feeling and an emotion. Cause I was weepy and not feeling good. Cause your face hurts and you have a cold and I don't even have a voice. I sound kind of like Peter Gabriel, you know, and I'm singing <laughs> beyond talk. I'm tired and needing this change. And then I saw a uh, star filled ceiling. So I said, oh, OK, behind lights, because I had those fake stars on my ceiling behind lights where my star filled ceiling remains. And then I said, hey, wait, look, you've got two syllable words starting with B something. I said, what other two-syllable words are there. So I went uh, behind, beneath, between, before, behave. Like, I just threw those in the ledger line there, you know, like, just mm -hmm. in my own, just top off the top of my head, what other two, maybe I could start all the sentences that way, because I'm, I'm starting to notice a pattern, and maybe this will help me get somewhere with this tune. And then eventually I got to the chorus, and I thought, what am I going to say now? And I just put my head up and there were clouds and I said, uh, sometimes life takes all day. <laughs> sometimes life gets in the way because that was what I was saying in those days. They were phrases because all I want to do is write songs and make music and I've got life to do as well, you know. But one of the other verses was beneath clouds where a smile could surrender this frown because again, I wasn't feeling good. So like you could use anything if you realize that it could be uh, fuel for you or kindling. You know, mm -hmm. you have to allow the seeds to gather. You have to be willing to explore and you've got to be okay with not knowing and just see what it has the potential to turn into and then have the patience to turn it into something you really like. Like, I don't want to get on my case and edit it too soon. I know this part's weak or this part isn't Joni Mitchell yet or John Lennon yet, but I could get it there. I think if I just give it a little time, it'll simmer and I'll think about what I want it to be or 
when I look at it fresh, like another perspective, when you stand back and look at a painting or a photograph from another angle, you start to see more possibilities of what you can turn it into. And then on another day, it's fresh brain. It's even better, you know? So mm -hmm. the idea is like, don't edit too soon and don't kill it before it grows and um, let it start off free and easy. And then you can have as many songs with lyrics as you do instrumentals, if you care to, because playing with words is fun too. And you're a mm -hmm. great articulator, you know, like you're, you're great at making videos and, and telling people how you really feel. And to put that down in a lyric isn't really that much different. Yeah. And we have the music to help it all make sense That's as well. Like the best. Yeah. You know, we can, uh, if you leave a few questions unanswered in the lyric, well, maybe the music answers that question Certainly. without having to state it. I, uh, I tend to end up writing very clear songs like this is how I feel. This is what the song is about. This is, mm. and yet some, so many of my favorite songs, I don't understand what they mean on a, certainly not on a word to word level. I mean, I get the overall concept, but exactly. I don't even think twice about the phrases that perhaps don't, you know, aren't spelled out on a fifth grade level to me. You know, they they uh, they uh, they do something that the way they put those words together does something to me. And 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 perhaps even the lack of clarity is what allows me to connect with it because then I can make it whatever I want for me. You know, we forget. I forget. It's not so important that I communicate my thoughts exactly. It's that the listener connects with it for themselves, you know, that it does something to them and helps them through something or helps them think about something in a different way or. Uh, True. Yeah. And being the same species, really, if it's going to move you or tickle you or just mm -hmm. feel good or look good on the paper to you right there, it's going to look good or feel good or connect with somebody else. Like you don't even have to worry about that necessarily. It's mm -hmm. like just do the right thing of help that idea grow up and have its own mm -hmm. heartbeat and get into the world. You know, like that's our job. Um, I, I don't see the competition or the this is good, this is bad kind of thing in any of it. Because it's like, oh, come on, it's not sports, you know. It's like, <laughs> this is just a thing. And if you connect with it, great. It's like, you love chocolate. You love strawberry. I don't want to start a war over it. I think it's great. Enjoy what you enjoy. In fact, I'd rather know why you enjoy it or how and when you fell in love with it, because then it opens me up to understanding a little bit more about strawberry. You know, mm -hmm. that's how it was with uh, with jazz with a friend of mine when we were students. It was like Berkeley and jazz. Oh, my God, there was so much jazz, so much jazz. And we didn't get it at first. We were like, what's the big deal? It's just that the college was born during that era, you know, and mm -hmm. when we had young friends our age also in love with it, it was nice to see jazz through their eyes and hear it from their fingers and from their heart. Then it made sense to me, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're like portals for each other into a, into new dimensions and, and new excitements, new flavors. If somebody's doing it in a nice, honest way and not throwing it down your throat or saying, you know, they're going to kill you if you don't buy this or do this or, 
<laughs> yeah. You get a bad grade because you're not jazz. <laughs> yeah. So funny. It is interesting. Who were some of your favorite um, musicians or songwriters or even film scorers at this point? I, I kind of had this musical moment um, when I was in college. I had written these fingerstyle instrumental guitar pieces, and a buddy of mine who was a little bit more established than me was helping me record them. And so I drove from uh, College Station, Texas, where I went to school at the time, to this little town called Beaumont. And I was given two CDs. One was a guy named David Wilcox, songwriter, and uh, Mark Cohn, who wrote the song Walking in Memphis. And I, between David Wilcox's songwriting, just blew me away very you know singer songwriter storyteller and the production of these mark cone albums blew me away as well yeah. uh, john leventhal was the producer i love his work. and and so those two will forever be like that was a time period where i'm doing this awesome thing i think i you know my grandmother let me use a couple thousand dollars to make this recording and <laughs> Uh, that was really the last recording that someone else did for me ever, ever since then I've always done my own stuff but uh, yeah just those two artists and the songwriting and the sounds will forever be like this big moment that kind of changed the way that I thought about how I wanted to write music and the sounds that I really liked and it was good and bad in, in some ways those weren't the most popular sounds out there. So I didn't, you know, of course I was into things like Coldplay and, and all that. Uh, but I've, I've never, I've always been more of a, even though I wasn't around for cassettes in the recording time, I was, I've always been more of a B-sides type of producer. And, you know, I like the, I like the songs that the fans really like, but maybe aren't as popular. And so, uh, but there was just something about those two artists that still I can put those albums on and they're very, very meaningful for me. And before that, um, I don't know who my, you know, I grew up as a kid in the nineties. So there were all those nineties rock bands and I was always really involved in church. So, uh, you know, a lot of the Christian music was stuff that I was connected to as well. But yeah, I would say those two artists kind of changed the game for me, the way that I think about, you know, how I like to approach making music. Yeah, that's very cool. I love when there's guideposts and goals sonically. It's like that mm -hmm. sound, you know, like I've been noticing lately that there are some songs I like that are current, but a lot of times I don't like the production sound of them. And then you mm -hmm. go back a couple of decades and you're listening and you go, whoa, real instruments, real people playing them, really amazing musicianship. Ooh, that's a big difference. I like that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I almost like it better than what's happening lately, you know, and yeah. uh, it's like I don't want to be outdated by things, but it's like you're still going to like what you like. So it depends on when I'm listening. You know, it's like if I'm listening to be fed, 
I might have to go back a few decades. But if I'm listening for curiosity's sake and some production techniques that are wild and new, <laughs> that would be today. <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting, though, is whether it's good or bad, we're much more splintered now. You know, it's not like there are as many rock stars and as many obvious people that are well known. I mean, there. And what was it? Something I, I Rick Beato in one of his videos talked about how like only five percent of the music streamed is current. You know, we've just got. You, you can you can like a sound, and 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 in previous times when maybe that sound became dated. Well, now that you can find your people, you know, the, the most amazing thing about YouTube for me, just to shift the conversation slightly, is that, you know, I, I, the people that watch my video are not from my hometown. They're not people that know me or grew up with me. But through this crazy medium, we can connect and find people that think about life and music the same way. And that mm -hmm. that is for everybody. And it means that now, sometimes musicians have to do things like, you know, no one wants, most of us kind of force ourselves to do social media and that kind of thing. I mean, some people just love it, but most of us force ourselves to do it because we know we have to, uh, just to kind of get our, our, our art out there. But there's just all these little outlets now, and there's these paths to make the thing that really inspires you and not have to worry as much about whether or not it's, you know, going to chart in 2023. <laughs> so we'll see how that, we'll see what that means moving forward. I mean, and I think instrument, the ability to play an instrument will become even more and more valuable as, you know, a lot of people are not. And, and, you know, one thing we're dealing with, especially in my side of the business and kind of the music library business is, you know, no, we don't like to talk about AI and all that, but it is going to come and it is going to some of these skills that are, you know, easy to do on a computer can be uh, can be recreated. But there aren't going to be many robots picking up guitars and going to play at the bar, you know. So I think there's going to be a premium on the the skills that, you know, we have that we didn't think twice about. That's just what you had to do to make music when we were starting right. and now it's it's right. there's just different there's just different ways to do it and i love it all i mean i uh some of it i don't get of course it doesn't move me but mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm open to whatever and whatever however people want to make music uh you know you do get into some areas of there's a lot of pre-made material that <laughs> it, you can press a few buttons and so what is what it where is is there art in that is there art but then there have been remixes forever since the beginning. So, you know, that that can be artistic as well. There are a lot of questions about all of that, and you could spend hours on it. Yeah. But I'm not as um, – I've, I've seen a lot of people get to a point where they get kind of negative about things because they weren't the way they used to be. And, of course, I am nostalgic for, for times, but there's still kids popping up with incredible ideas as you know i'm sure from teaching you know they just had that thing inside them and they want to figure it out and they want to create unique things and they're using the tools that they have yeah and i think we'll all just use any of the new tools in any creative ways we see fit 
you know, mm-hmm. we'll find positive ways to, to do it. Um, so far, with some of the music things I've heard generated from AI or even essays written and paragraphs written, you can kind of tell right now that it's AI. Yeah. It'll probably get better. Yeah. I certainly love what they did for the Beatles Get Back. Oh, yeah. You know, those videos and cleaning up all those tracks was miraculous yeah. because I had over 60 hours of audio from that month of them working together and it was impossible to listen to because mm-hmm. you hear just noise and clattering and voices in the back talking about something and then you turn it up to hear the voices and then something feeds back. <laughs> it was just horrible. And I just thought, well, it's nice that these exist and someone shared them with me, but... <laughs> they're, they're impossible to listen to, you know. No. <laughs> so, well, we've always been afraid of change, and eventually, some of the change could be really, really bad. But some of it's going to be fantastic, and you know, it's how you use it and the way you ethically use things. I mean, there's always going to be choices about ethics, you know, as far as how we use certain things, and that's there's, there's nothing different. But um, yeah, I'm all for the tools if they if they help. And I'm 44. I am not ready to shut off technology in my life. You know, I'm not. I'm. I don't. There's a point where it seems like uh, you can get where you're done learning the new stuff. And even though I get very. I mean, I, I was trying to set up a Discord server the other day, and I had to get my 13-year-old to help me do it, and he was flying through it and getting it all set up. And so I'm realizing that there will absolutely be a day pretty soon when <laughs> uh, I'm going to be unable to handle that, but I'm not there yet. And so I'm not going to be as quick to just, you know, all all of this stuff is bad. I want to try to use my best discerning brain to figure out what can help and what can hurt. You know, I use things all the time, you know, this communication things, Hey, can you help me sound a little bit better when I, in this email here, you know, and then I, they write the chat GBT writes something that doesn't sound like me at all. So I've got to figure out how to take what it thought was better. And I like, oh, that was better. And so I still got to use my brain, but yeah, that's, that stuff's going to get put it, it into your voice. Yeah. It will start to know who we are and, <laughs> All right, it is scary. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they said too that right now, if you're using it, you're contributing to it. So whatever your style of speaking and thinking is, is going to make it smarter and maybe take some of your ideas and give them to somebody else. So yeah. now people are trying to make money on, here's a little way for you to stay private within it. And it never, never uses your stuff. And, you know, I, I don't think they have anything diced up to sell that they know is going to be here in five to 10 years anyway. So I'm not buying anything, <laughs> Yeah, but I love technology too. As you can see, I, yeah, well, you've got some been... great, you've got a nice uh, rack of gear behind you. That's for sure. Yeah. There's some that's fun cool. stuff there. And then there's a whole logic side over here with some things. So right. over to the, I could uh, just stay on the logic side or I could do some tape or I could do some hybrid things. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I want to best work now. I've been laughing about how I've made it kind of complicated. 
<laughs> but it's it's a blast. And so learning new things is going to always be where it's at. In fact, that's one of the reasons I started having these conversations. I thought, I need adult company. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that makes sense. And I want to talk to other artists that are at my level. You know, like I yeah. don't necessarily only want to be sharing things with the young ones. That's fine. I love, find what you love and share it. I'm all about it. I've been teaching at Berkeley now 40 years. Wow. But it's like, I need to be fed. Yeah. You have to take care of all your different hungers, you know, all your different artist sides too. So uh, I guess it's like you say, coming off the pandemic where you're saying you wanted to get together with folks now in Texas saying, where are we? Who are we? How fragmented are we? You want to get together. What are you working on? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, like get back to the real connections again. And thankfully, I can handpick people now off YouTube and say, hey, I'd like to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this 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 format has really gotten I think at all at first when we all had to jump online and talk to people, it was awkward. But now everybody has improved their setups. They've improved their they figured out how to make themselves not not look terrible, terribly exposed on you know the camera, and right. It's not as it's still there's a disconnect, obviously, because we're talking through a screen, but it can be extremely valuable. And I found myself connected to so many people that I never would have even possibly connected. So it's just different. Um, it's a different. You know, we, we can't yeah. shake hands, but or give each other a hug, but we can certainly have meaningful <laughs> conversations and. Yeah. Uh, so thankful to technology for making that. Uh, I'm sure that exped the pandemic expedited a lot of these. Oh, definitely. That would have taken five or six more years, maybe, to get to the point that they are now. Yeah. And I like that technology has made things less expensive, so all this kind of stuff can be possible for us. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. For a while, it was you know a computer took up a whole room. And it took yeah. all day to say, see the dog, <laughs> you know, or something. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Even my, I, I guess I came along at, at the at the time where it actually became an affordable thing for this, some, the, the committed musician, recording engineer, you know, it was still thousands of dollars to get a computer. And Digi001 was my first my first piece of i'm sure you know you remember that and uh, and it was a lot of money to me for sure but it wasn't like buying a huge console and tape machine and that and such so right uh yeah i'm 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 the yeah i hit right that at that time and i hit i always joke like the first day i decided i want to do this i want to be in the record business <laughs> and what what is this thing called napster what is that? Is that is that that's interesting? And so those will forever be linked, you know, my decision to get in that <laughs> world and then the and then the downfall. And at least we've kind of figured some things out. Yeah. And these new opportunities are there. But you know, it was there was more doom and gloom, I think, for the business then than there there is now, just because we didn't know what to do. And what kind of uh, production classes were you teaching? I taught a kind of an intro to production. We called it, I think we called it song crafting. Mm. I actually walked in and something happened and they needed someone to write new material. So I just, I basically wrote a class on how to get started writing music in the computer. 
and it touched on some basic music theory, but then we got right into um, just songwriting ideas and creating basic. We did some kind of film scoring. Uh, it was just just as a way to for students to think about writing in a specific emotion hmm. that matched up to whatever that that film was uh and it was it was constantly evolving i'd probably do something different now but i also it wasn't a school i, I our, our students probably much different than yours we had a lot of students that were just there for live sound or um this is you know Yes, but some more like a now it now the school has has evolved and they they offer like an associate's degree, and so they take you know the English and math classes along with the production courses. But I, I'm just saying there weren't a ton of people who were all that interested in creating music in the computer. So I was, I was I was kind of selling this idea as well, and we were working at a very very basic level for the most part although there were some that came through that were fantastic so i would try to give them a little extra yeah one-on-one -on -one. college age yes college age yeah yeah cool yeah that's helpful but i didn't know what i was doing at at start i i did not i'd never taught before i found out like a couple days before i got the curriculum and I read it and I read it and I, I taught a lesson and then read it and taught the next lesson. And, uh, but so over the things really well. <laughs> yeah. And, but over about the course of about five years, I really kind of found my groove. And then I started doing this other stuff that I'm doing. So I would just kind of drop classes here and there. And, and I do miss that part of it. And I think that's why I was able to, that's that component that I was able to draw from when I started YouTube, you yeah. know, was, was get, getting my thoughts together in at least uh, a way that made some sense. And, and I had to learn how to talk into a camera and I am a, I am a product of editing. If you saw, sometimes I'll put things up where I'm not edited and, you know, I, I'm proud of my editing skills. Let me just say that because uh, there's a lot of meandering when I'm, you know, I know what I like. What's funny is when you hear yourself edited properly and it's like my words without all the pauses and out of the butts and so's and, you knows, and I hear it back and I'm like, that person is sharp. And then, and then, and you know what, but this is the same thing with, with music. Exactly. I remember trying to learn a part, piecing it all together. And I knew that it was not a performance that I could put together in front of people. However, once I heard all, it was all me. It was just edited together. But once I heard it and I could listen back to it and it was me, well, then I had this very clear goal. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be somebody else. I was trying to be the best version of me. Nice. And that's still difficult, but it's much more attainable. And that's exactly how talking into a camera has been. It's like once I see what I actually sound like when I can mm -hmm. craft it the way I want, well, then I can work towards that being that person, mm -hmm. that communicator in real life. Uh, just the weird things that you learn when you do this. 
but and that's the that's the other thing that's been so fun is the parallels between writing music and writing production music which kind of involves writing a lot of material and making youtube the, the the parallels are so like at any skill level i believe you can write a song that could be used by somebody else in a music for media type of situation i think there's something anybody can write in the most simplest form and you can work to get that thing and that's kind of how youtube is you know you they're there everybody's got a video in them or something but then there's a whole another thing which is okay can i continue to grow can i continue to add to that can i continue to add skills can i continue to get better and i can listen back to my catalog and hopefully i and you can hear the progression and kind of the the cool thing one of my favorite things about youtube is that unless people take their videos down you can go way back mm-hmm. and see what they were like when they first started like there's a one of the big tech youtubers his name is marquez he is the new iphone comes out whatever he's the guy gets millions of views but his first first video i think he was 15 it was on a webcam and you can totally see marquez in that video but it was also kind of awful but he did it made the next and i think that's one thing that's different about our generation now as opposed to previous generations where it was all about sharing your best Mm. now even though you can you can definitely see some issues with it you can see people grow as an artist and that that's inspiring to watch and it also helps when you're watching it you're like okay i could maybe i can maybe i can do that you know, I, I I love that quite a few people have started making YouTube videos because they watched my videos. I think there's something about me that's that's kind of like, well, if John can do it, I can do it. You know, there's that that mindset because I don't I don't think I come across as any you know spectacular talent here. And I love seeing that people do that. They're like you know, I watched a bunch of videos and I thought, I'm going to give this a, a try too. Am I, <laughs> but I know I, I'm, you know, it's like a, a, a parent to the kid. You're like, okay, go for it. I, you're about to find out how challenging it is. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what, that's why we have such a bond between other people that do this and other musicians is yeah, because yeah. if they're good, we know what it took. Like we know what was required to get to that point as an engineer, producer, guitar player if you're talented at it it didn't just drop in in your hands overnight it was years of sacrifice and years of focus and intentional learning and because of that we now have something that we have a bond that is it's like a little private club that we're in (laughs) we, we speak a certain language and and we just have appreciation for one another. And it's also why when people, you know, I'm all for people that talk a bigger game and maybe they are on a different level. Maybe they, God did shine down on them something special and unique, which I know there are many out there that do that. Uh, but some people pretend to have 
a certain aura about them. And to me, that's not what I am attracted to. I'm attracted to the people that are like, there's a problem that I want to solve. And, and, and how can I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who is also a YouTuber and he's, he's done really well with, he makes these videos where he will build something musically or, or come up and he tells the story of it. And both of us joke with how we always look for the most difficult way to tell the most difficult time consuming way to tell a story. <laughs> it's like there's an easy way. And then there's the way that we, we have some elaborate idea. And now I know, Oh, that's going to take eight hours for 15 seconds in this video. But that's kind of what it takes to, to communicate what you want to communicate. And if that's it, that's what you've got to do. Um, so anyways, I'm rambling and, and, and going all over the place, but uh, I just, uh, I don't even know how we got here, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the working class musician and, and their, and their journey and how they got there and the things they've done to get there and the things they've done to support themselves while they tried to do, you know, cause some people have been lucky to make music directly or make money directly from music. But most of us have done other things and those other things contribute to who we are and changed our music, you know, and even the things you think have nothing to do with it is part of who you are and shapes the way you, you know, you create. Yeah. Do you have other hobbies and things besides photography and videography? Um, badminton. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I started playing badminton at the rec, rec center and I love it. Nice. And, uh, I used to play golf, but it's about 115 degrees every day here in Texas. So that's not going to happen. But I, I just, videography was a hobby and it kind of became this new thing with YouTube. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I need to find some hobbies outside of outside of all this, but <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't feel like work for the most part. I've never really I'm very I'm very aware that I get to do something that doesn't feel like work. You know. That's cool. I mean, yes, it does. I, I'm just very uh well aware that I have I've kind of, even though I've worked really hard for it, I've kind of fallen into some some special outlets that I can make a decent living doing things that I really enjoy. Mm. And I think about all the time, which is a problem because I'm never able to turn it off. You know, I don't. Well, yeah. Talk more about your creative process. You say you're writing lots and lots of music. So what do you have to do to get in the mood for that or what sets up how you get into it you know is it different types of moods that start on different types of instruments well i will say that i don't write near as much music as i did before i started youtube and started uh you know one of the so big now well it's gotten quite bigger and i work with quite a few people who write for it but it's really just the time and 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 in order it's kind of confusing but the thing that got me into youtube was because i started making sample libraries 
through this other guy who was a YouTuber who sent a bunch of people my way. And like thousands of people showed up overnight to my YouTube channel. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I like making YouTube videos. And so I started, you know, sampling instruments, you know, deep sampling and then making them to where, you know, artists could use them. A flute randomly and a violin was one that people really enjoyed. And I found that I really liked that. I, you know, cool. It's um, sound design. Yeah. And there's so many sounds out there that it just feels like you're cycling through presets or whatever. But this process is very much like a boutique way of looking at it. Here is this sound. How can I make this sound? Uh, how can I recreate it in a way that either represents what it is or something totally different? You know, sure. like combine these sounds and it plays back in a totally different way. Because that's what happens and, in an orchestra. You know, yeah. If there's a line of music, sometimes three or four different instruments with different timbres are playing that same thing. And you can't really exactly which instruments are doing it. So but I really enjoyed that process of making those, and that's time-consuming. And that's a, that's that's honestly made it easier for me to make YouTube videos because, you know, every YouTuber has to figure out a way to make some money doing it. And the money that it pays for views is not near enough, especially in a niche category like like I'm in. So selling sample libraries has really been helpful to that process. And I'm starting to collaborate with more people on that. And in a, in a, it's all what's in my head is almost like a record label type of model, you know, where I work with other artists who make these samples and we create them together as opposed to me just making them all that's myself. Fun. So I don't know how well that's all going to work out, but it's been a lot of fun thinking about it. And I've I've got a few lined up. I'm about to go and to Nashville and work with a guy who we we sampled a violin a couple of years ago and it's done very well and as far as free downloads it's one of a free offering that i have mm -hmm. and so we're going to try to make it into something and it's been neat because it's been used all over the world and it's also i featured him in the video that excuse me that we made about it and he has had some people reach out to him about recording on their projects because of it so to me that's the best case scenario is that it it lets people know about um these artists and also we can everyone could profit from it that's uh in its purest form that's certainly what i'm trying to pursue so that's uh that has taken the place of writing music back to your question uh it's certainly at the level it what it's done though is it has let me write um more of what i want to write um because sometimes you're tasked with writing things that you don't love as much which is kind of part of the deal but this allows me to kind of, and I can tell a story through oftentimes through my channel on the process of writing. Uh, you know, recently I got a mandolin and it was so top of mind that I was learning how to play it. It was just, it made sense that that would something I would show the process of on the channel. Or I took a, um, a video that's done one of my first videos to do really if you look at my channel, there's like a very clear amount of views and then there's some that just go crazy. It's really frustrating and it's awesome, but it's like, what, what's going on here? Uh, I made a video of a lap steel that I put these benders on it so you can bend the strings. Right. And it was just a fun DIY project and uh, super cheap. And uh, 
so of course that made it that was just an an itch that I wanted to scratch and then I bought a cheap guitar and took put a piece of rubber underneath the bridge and that um sorry and that uh that's done quite well but that was honestly me watching a youtube video going to guitar center just on a whim and so now i'm writing some tunes that kind of feature that yeah yeah i like that james jamerson trick put a little piece of sponge or something on oh yeah that, that kind of idea and i did that to one of my guitars and recorded with it a few years ago but that was the first video that was served up to me from youtube of yours i thought oh who's this guy let me watch this and it was really fun i love the way you put it together and all the different aspects of getting the guitar to play well and then have a pickup and all that good stuff so yeah that was really well made that was fun well thank you i tried to i tried to make it clear that I, i'm just watching youtube videos as i go trying to figure these things out you know yeah. I, I, yeah. most of the time we go to youtube because well, sometimes we go to it for entertainment, but most of the time we have a problem that right. we need somebody to help us solve. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to help people solve problems, but also, you know, in an artistic way, try to show that I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. You know, and I want, I want, if there's anything that I'm proud of about myself, which is weird, weird to say, but I do, I am okay with, learning new things and trying to figure stuff out. I love that. And that's what I just want to do. And so it, I also have to show you that I don't know what I'm doing in order to show you that I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, so I try to, I try to do that in a funny way, or at least it's funny to me and my family, but uh, <laughs> I uh, recruit them to be in on it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They're around all the time, so they might as well show up extras. on occasion. <laughs> they want to yeah. Extras, yeah. That's funny. I know a lot of uh, folks who do all these different creative things that we do, and um, because they've never had the need or the opportunity to talk about it other than a radio interview or TV interview, because they don't teach, they really don't know how to talk about it. So mm -hmm. they're not even interested in coming on and talking about things with me because they're like, <laughs> you just do stuff. What's so interesting about that? You know, yeah. we, we just do what we do. But when you have to teach something and I've been giving guitar lessons for over 50 years, it's like you encounter all kinds of personalities Mm -hmm. And the thing that worked when you told the last person doesn't work for this person or in a class, three of them out of the eight get it. And you've got to find 15 different ways for the next few classes to just reach each person so that mm -hmm. it makes sense to something they already know. And you've got to find a way to put into words what it is we actually do or maybe even what steps you need to take to get started because they've never done it before and they come into me for the shortcut. Right. So, yeah. so like we end up, especially if you're making videos then and you're just learning how to do it yourself, you're saying, OK, well, here's the three mistakes I made first. So don't cut it like that. You know, yeah. keep cutting it and cutting it. And it's still too short. You know, it's like you have to find a way to uh, express what it is. And, and so seeing all those steps or hearing about the mistakes first does really help 
a lot of other folks. And I go to YouTube for everything. But I started my YouTube channel in 2006 when it was just a MySpace or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so a lot of my first videos are bad handheld webcam yeah. kind of mini DV cameras and Super 8 cameras that were transferred and digitized. And uh, the oldest thing that's on there, I'm 11 years old. My father had a film camera, a Hi8 camera, and a little cassette deck that supposedly had a sync cable. <laughs> but we never saw it in sync till it got digitized a few years ago. And my friends uh, at a media company put the two together. And it's like, there's me and my brother singing at 11 and 10 years old, the first oh, wow. two songs I ever wrote. So it's like a time traveling machine to be able to go back to old videos and films. And my channel never had any kind of specific, like it's there for any reason in particular. So some of my videos that were of my Beatle band that I was in touring around for 12 years, they've got like 200,000 views. <laughs> but as far as subscribers, there's like, 800 subscribers you know it's like yeah there was no subscribe or ring the f notification bell those things didn't exist then yeah <laughs> so even youtube has evolved and technology has changed and social media exploded and people are using things for different reasons you know it's interesting mm -hmm. it's not just a catch-all for all your home videos oh yeah no it and there's a there's an importance on finding a clear way to communicate. And I've, I've struggled with that too, because I do like to do a lot of different things. And even though to me, it seems very fo focused, it's not, doesn't come across that way when people, you know, find my channel. I mean, for instance, that guitar video, it got pushed out into the, the big world of YouTube more than my other videos because a lot more people play guitar than compose music or care about licensing music. And so even then it, it comes down to a very clear focus on what it is that you're trying to do. And, um, and when you get that right. Playlists for that though, you know, it's like you look at the playlist, you see various topics. Yeah. Sense. If any of them appeal, you watch John's videos on this, you know? Yeah. It's not that hard. I mean, it's almost like a card catalog. You go to the library, everything's there, and you yeah. you narrow it down, you know. But I don't think each person's channel should only be one thing. Yeah. Maybe for marketing, that's what they're suggesting. But again, not everything that gets put into some how-to book about how to make it on social media or on YouTube mm -hmm. or whatever, or even as a songwriter, is going to appeal to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Uh, I'm a beetle at heart. We do things the way we want to. And yeah, that, that's a class all in itself is, is navigating the world of instruction versus figuring it out yourself. And like, mm -hmm. you've, you've got to, we've talked about this earlier. You've got to take people's advice. You've got to learn things that other people did, but you've also got to trust your instincts and it, it doesn't feel like it feels like if there's a line here, I'm constantly moving. It's not like a bullseye that you hit. It's a, yeah. it's just, a, so there's moments where you realize, you know, I'm, I'm thinking way too much about what other people might think about this, including the algorithm. And then there are moments where I'm like, you know what, I need to focus, I need to focus a little bit more here because that will help me 
as a creator as well. So it's a, there's a struggle there and a tension there that I think is always going to be present in, 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 in the modern creator, you know, who's trying to, you know, I, I talk a lot about this tension between art and, and commerce. I mean, we've got to figure out a way to pay the bills while maintaining artist integrity. And sometimes it's going to feel like you've, you've gone too far in one direction, but I don't, I don't, I think it's every person got an individual path and, and you, you've got to make those mistakes to figure out what it is that you need to do and how you need to approach it. And or some people, some people just need to say, I don't want to connect this to commerce at all. <laughs> I want to work my eight to five mm -hmm. and then do this out of a hundred percent out of the love of it. And I'm jealous uh, of that mindset in a lot of ways, but I'm, I enjoy it. I enjoy the, I kind of like business. I kind of like figuring out how to run a business and, and make money doing this. And so it's, but it's a, uh, you should check out uh, Dana Wild then. She's, okay. she's a podcast for entrepreneurs and uh, it's how to make money, having fun and being you. Yeah. It's, it's all about mindset and the reticular activating system and, uh, you know, figuring out ways to grow that's perfect for you, you know, yeah. perfect for any particular person. But yeah, I, I think all the social media stuff to a certain degree, since I was around doing all kinds of things for money prior to ever having any kind of social media, it's like, what is the purpose besides exposure? You know, there might not be any kind of monetization end, you know, and then even if you have... 2 million followers, you better try to sell them something because you know, it's yeah. like some of my friends, some of my students have 108,000 followers on Instagram. I said, ask them all for a dollar, you know, like, yeah. like what is the point of having this many people say, wow, you're fantastic yeah. at such and such. Where's it going? Why? Why do you show up every day and give them something and why are they following you and what are they learning or mm -hmm. like, is there going to be a point? Because I don't really want to take care of that many people, you know. Like, what are what do they yeah. want, you know? Yeah, the numbers are, the numbers can can mess with your brain. In fact, I'm I'm working on a video uh, that I I need to work on it today. This the working title is like it's a, of course I'm trying to catch your attention, but it's hard work does not equal success. No. And no. I'm going to point out that. Yes, hard work does equal success. But if you look at my analytics, it's so like, it goes like this, and then it spikes, and then it goes like this, and then it spikes, and it goes like this. I and it feels if they were if they were honest analytics. Yeah, the way that Facebook and and all these social media places interfere with the law of attraction and actually change algorithms by your interaction with other people or whatever other things they factor mm -hmm. in the game that they're playing is not a normal exposure game. This yeah. isn't like an independent record label putting in six million dollars over six years to get a name out and actually progressing to make somebody a household name. These these are things that are working in, in opposition to each yeah. person too that they don't know. And so I I rebel against the game 
I don't yeah. see any reason for any particular numbers or care about any numbers because they don't do anything for me in the long run anyway, even if I had them. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, and my perspective would just be that there's two things going along. There's there's your your path of learning and creating and connecting with folks. And then there are these other things that just are going bonkers, uh, <laughs> especially on YouTube as far as, oh, you feel down because, uh, you know, you feel down because this didn't work or or you feel great because this worked. And, and, and really life isn't all that different now than it was before. I mean, a lot of these opportunities lie in the fact that you keep showing up and one person who can offer you something that could help you advance your career might be watching. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's just trying to help people, you know, think about their perspective and help my talk. It's, it's a video talking to myself about yeah. the, 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 the ability to easily let yourself get sucked into these type of things and know that, uh, it really is about showing up every day and um, the way things tend to work for us isn't all that and work out for us isn't all that different than it ever has been. <laughs> Certain people kind of allow are there are gatekeepers when we use that word in a negative sense, but there are, are also some amazing gatekeepers out there who are looking for honest, legit, talented people yeah. to give opportunities to. And I've I've experienced that because of putting myself out there and creating. I've uh, found myself in some situations that I never would if it wasn't for that. And so to me, that's like, okay, the well, connection is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that that is what I'm creating for the things that I actually would like to see happen in my career or uh, the connections that I'd like to make, you know, the, and, and, and I do that by helping people as much as I possibly can. Like my business model is on, I help people as much as I can and I prop them up as much as I can in hopes that maybe I'll, I'll get opportunities because of it. So it sounds selfish, but I'd rather be selfish knowing that I'm helping people and providing opportunities for people and shouting people out. You know, that to me, it's like, if I can put it on that, like your job as an educator is to make amazing educators and you will be successful because of that if you or you know if you bring out the best in all of these people it's you're you're putting your um results i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's just yeah, uh yeah. just trying to i i worry i know how much those numbers affect me and i'm 44 years old with a wife and kid and and a career i can't imagine what what it must be like for the artist who's 19 and 20 and that's all they've ever known and that's just such a difficult world to navigate because you get these you get fed this information that you think is valid right and it's not so what kind of things do you do to uh, keep your head on straight and to reboot and re-encourage yourself when things uh, seem bleak well i have um I do have some friends that are doing this that I've, that I've developed that we talk. And when I hear that they, their stories are identical, <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we talk, we, we all get bummed when a video doesn't do well and 
we all get uh i just i i always try to put something in, in my video that's new that is something that's a little more challenging not always i mean sometimes i just turn on the camera and i i write a script and i make the videos the way i've done in the past but i'm always trying to work towards something new so that even when i'm done with the video i can look back if it didn't do well well I, i'm better because of it and to me i want to i want to keep getting better and i can i'd rather track my progress based on that as opposed to how it's received and you know these are these are also just self-worth things that i've been yeah, taught my my, game. my whole life that you know my value is not not in this and when you put yourself out there that's that's one of the negatives that that comes from it so i mean i encourage everyone to put themselves out there because it it does I don't think all social media and all YouTube obviously is is bad. I think there's there's good things in there, but it's you're also entering the uh, entering the arena where you know it's not always going to go well. Yeah, well, that's why I like that uh, Theodore Roosevelt quote that uh, Brene Brown refers to. A lot of the folks that are throwing darts and have something to say aren't in the arena. Yeah, you know? they're not musicians. I mean, I've been a musician since I'm two years old. That's all I fell in love with. I've been writing songs since 10, playing guitar since nine. And, you know, to me, I'm just a songwriter, performer, multi-instrumentalist, recording engineer, passionate producer that just loves to make records and put out my own music everywhere. And it's a blast. But teaching never even occurred to me. You know, I was just yeah. bringing my guitar to high school playing in between classes and kids started lining up wanting to take lessons from me. So then I started teaching and uh, when I graduated from Berkeley and they asked me to teach, I thought this would be okay for a while. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> 40 years later, it's like, oh yeah, this is a nice, easy, almost part-time job because full-time is three days, four yeah. days you get to do what you want. And I thought, this is like the days of old, like I'm an artist in residence, I'm a musician of the high court or something, you know, or the church or whatever, and I get a stipend and I get a place to live and you know, it's like, yeah. this is great. And I get to record and do whatever I want on those other days. So yeah. to me, it was just find what you love and share it. Yeah. That made sense. And people used to say to me, I know you don't want to teach, but we need people like you because you explain things and you tell the truth and you help people put things together. You know, there's a lot of psychology involved with it because people aren't ready for certain information. And people don't realize, students don't realize that they actually teach themselves because mm -hmm. they have to take whatever any of us talking heads are saying and take that information and attach it to something they already know. Mm -hmm. And I have to help them experience it so that they remember it. And if they can turn around and help somebody else and teach it to somebody else, then it be, starts to become solid. Like they'll remember mm -hmm. more of like 90% of it if they have to explain it to somebody else and learn it well enough to be able to explain it to somebody else. So it's a nice circular thing. And very often I am inspired and they have some great ideas. But, you know, I was starting to need creative company just more people who write, more people who understand, mm -hmm. more people who are emotionally attached to the sounds they create. And that's what I thought I was getting from your videos. It was like, you're really in this in your heart and soul, not just for 
the $24 a month that somebody told me they were making from YouTube or whatever, or, mm -hmm. the, you know, it's not about, I, I need 200,000 followers so that I can feel important. Like, it's just like, I need to make music because I need to make music, you know? Yeah. And uh, all the other stuff is great too, but it's not the real yeah. thing for me. You know, and I think that real thing can be for anybody, anything they want it to be. That doesn't matter. I'm not judging it. It's just that we were talking about criticism and stuff. And it's like even student evaluations and stuff. Not any two people ever feel the same way about anything. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter <laughs> if in a class all the folks are happy about the class or they're not happy about mm -hmm. the class or the teacher because there are teaching styles, there are learning styles. There's everybody's in a different place and everybody likes something different. And especially if it's on YouTube or Facebook or one of those places and somebody's saying something negative about any of us, they don't play, they don't write songs, yeah. they don't engineer, they don't write lyrics. I mean, they don't know anything about anything. They know what they like. They don't like this. They didn't really have to trash it, but mm -hmm. that was their prerogative, you know. It, it just shows you where they're at. It doesn't really show that they know anything, you know. So it's, it's hard to keep that perspective because bad press after bad press can be annoying. We're all uh, human, but... Yeah, the negative... Uh... The negative comments are something that that took a while to understand. And, you know, what's funny is I know that when I get a bunch of super nice comments in a video, that that video is not going to do well. And I think it's because it it uh, it really connected with the people that watch my videos, but it's not going to go out past that. But when a video does go out and I, I know that it's starting to be served up by more people because I, I get comments that are negative <laughs> well, yeah, the start, I, to turn me off was the you got to start making the little still thumbnail to be something shocking or absurd so that yeah. the algorithms will catch on to it. It's like, uh, OK, good for some people. If that works for you, that that's good. well, I'm guilty of trying to be silly in those. Uh, I don't mind fun and silly, but yeah, some some what's getting rewarded is always the nonsense. It's like TV shows that are of stuff yeah. that's insane or stuff that's absolutely horrible, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, but this is real. It's not made up. It's like, that's even worse. <laughs> well, the trick is, the trick is to do something that sparks your curiosity, but then you, and you have to deliver on it because people won't stay. So right. if you can make sure that you can, it's, that's why I work. I spend way too much time on it. Just trying to figure out a way that, it's not clickbait. It, it 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 actually delivers in a in a clever way, but if people get too mad, they'll just stop watching, and that'll 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 hurt. I don't fault YouTube too much for. It. I mean, they're always trying ways to. They want people to watch videos for a long. They want people to stay on their platform, and so when things get out, they they they're always tweaking things. I do think they. I mean, it's a big business, obviously, but uh, they do it. They do. Of all the platforms, they do the best job, in my opinion, of providing opportunities for legitimate creators to have a platform and make money. So I'm, yeah, it's my I'm willing to play the game uh, to a point, and I try to make it a creative outlet as well. You know, yeah, I use that as an opportunity to work on my photography skills, my design skills, right, which has helped me in in other ways. So, uh, yeah. I, uh, but it isn't, it isn't right now. And this 2023, the thumbnail carries a lot of 
wait, but videos are starting to autoplay more. <laughs> and so that means the start, the first five seconds of your video is more important. So that will change the way we make our videos because we got to make sure that you're interested in when that first thing starts to roll. If it's just my face talking, unless you really like my face, you, you might not be as interested to click and stick around. So, <laughs> well, no matter what it is, they're going to change it in three weeks. So, yeah, they do change it a lot. <laughs> that's that's part of the. Did you say you have a video that, uh, I mean, not in this particular conversation, but I'm trying to remember if you've said it on other videos where you get into your, I, I did, I think I saw a video where you talked about different lighting and how you set up mm -hmm. your camera stuff, but did you get into actual cameras, which ones you were using? Uh, I, I think I've mentioned it from time to time. You know, those, those, some people do ask that these questions a lot, but they but some people put them all down in their uh, description so that you can do a film. Yeah, for a while I had that. I need to put all that back in there because that maybe that will be enough for. Uh, Go to B &A. I'm also like I, I've spent a lot of money on cameras, and I don't I don't want to ever you know. I actually got, because of YouTube for a while, I was pursuing some video client work. Like I, I had a few clients that were paying me to make videos. And so I put all that money towards cameras so I could have nice, nice cameras. But what I'm using is overkill for what is required or necessary for uh, YouTube, but it has good autofocus, good. My studio is super dark. It has good low light performance and, uh, it's I just I justify because I feel like I'm trying to do something maybe a little unique in that trying to take I, I learned during the pandemic when I got into this I started watching all these filmmaking YouTubers learning about gear and I love that I mean I I really what the reason I really dove into this is because I released an album of piano based stuff like modern classical uh and kind of quiet piano stuff. And a lot of the videos on YouTube were out of focus rivers and trees. And you know, there was just kind of backgroundish. So I thought, I want to tell a story. And we were at the beach with my family and my dad had just bought a drone. And so I searched how to make cinematic drone shots because <laughs> once you can figure it out, a drone makes everything look cinematic if you do it right. And so I did that whole video, first video with the drone, and then I had this little storyline, and then I bought a, a better lens for my camera, then I bought a better camera for the third one, and you can see the progression there, and I got hooked on it, and that coincided with, with making videos about the samples, and so the quality of filmmaking has always been a, has been a pursuit of mine, and so I'm trying to work that in as much as possible. And I do get a lot of kind comments on it, but it's funny. It's like um, another, another parallel to writing music is that I made my music sound good. My compositions sound good before I made them good compositions. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, I knew how to make that kick drum sound good before I knew how to write a good drum part, or I knew how to make the guitar sound good before I knew how to write a good guitar part. 
And I feel like I have learned how to make my videos look good, which has bought me a little time, you know, because it is important. But I've learned how to make it look good as I'm learning how to tell better stories. Yeah. So, but I believe, and I, I kind of, I, uh, a lot of people, you know, when they're first learning, they, they're like, I just wish I could make my stuff sound good, or I can't write good songs, but I can, I can do this. And I'm like, just stop, just stop worrying about that. And whatever you're interested, just go with it. Because when you zoom it out, if you get better at recording, well, what's going to happen? You're going to surround yourself with better songwriters who want mm-hmm. to work with you. You're going to get better at learning songs. Right. And the opposite. Say you are a violinist who has no, you can't do anything on the computer. Well, get really good at the violin. And <laughs> eventually those, like you talked about, those little roadblocks. And, and a lot of times they're just silly roadblocks that we have. You'll get past one. Yeah. You'll get past one and you will accelerate your learning so fast. And then when you when you when you fast forward 20 years, you 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 catch up. And there'll be times where there's there's an uneven balance between the two things, but they're connected and they they pull one another up. And so that's kind of what I was like, I'm gonna make the best looking videos I possibly can because I love learning about this. And then I'm gonna learn how to tell stories so that in the event I can put these two things together. Then maybe I can create the art that I really feel and is in my head and it's what I want to make. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's why I. Well, that's why I'm asking. It's like, so yeah, what camera is that? That's really nice. Oh, <laughs> <sorry. laughs> uh, I have, I have two cameras. I have a Sony a7S three, which is my monster. I love it. It's and then, and then the camera I'm using now is a Sony ZV-E1, which is great because it has the same sensor so basically the same image as the a7s3 but it's half the price because it feels like a toy it's plasticky and uh it's not made to be (laughs) yeah they saved the money there and it's just that's it lacks some of the tactile features but it's a great it's a great companion to to the other one. It actually does some things, you know. It's much better at streaming, which is important because this the A7S3 came out in 2020, I think, and and this one just came out last year, and so it's a little more modern in some of its the app that it works with. And and if someone wants to get a really nice camera, and and their nice camera for a musician, mm. then that would be what I'd recommend. I don't see much. Unless you're into photography and such, right, uh, right. getting w- what I have or something similar doesn't make a ton of sense for most people. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, and there's a new line of the six thousand series of the of the Sony's, but they have a a smaller sensor, which is not bad. It just doesn't let as much light in. It's not as good at low light performance. Um, it's what are you it's. In? I switched over to DaVinci Resolve. Yeah, I like that from Premiere Pro. Yeah, Premiere was a lot of people have switched. Not full version. What's that demo of DaVinci version? I have the full. Nice. Uh, There are a few features that I I I felt like I needed to get it. Um, So 
I I opened up Premiere today because a buddy was asking me a question and I kind of miss it because I got really fast at Premiere. Yeah. And I feel like now I'm always having to learn something, relearn something. Oh, definitely. And eventually I'll get proficient at it to the point where I won't miss uh, Premiere. But, uh, I get you know, it. that's a that's the that's the equivalent, the proficiency of learning a DAW. It's, it's important so that you can let your ideas happen. Yeah, definitely. And if you're in a, an idea mode, don't spend time messing around with the equipment. Get the idea down. Then learn the equipment. <laughs> yeah. You know, like do the writing when the writing's flowing in. Don't let the uh, equipment stop you. Um, this is the uh, iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah. With that Elgato camera hub thing and the software that goes on the phone. But this is only the second time I've tried to use this with Zoom. The first time, and we'll see it might happen this time as well, my speaking and the audio for me is out of sync. Oh, really? And I haven't found a video yet to figure out how to put it back in sync. Huh. And why my DaVinci Resolve would spit it out that way or play it that way. Yeah. So there are all these new services and now. Sizes and various things to change, but none of these have that kind of software built in. So. Yeah, there's another paid platform that a lot of people seem to be using these days that uh, it records everything to locally and then uploads it. So that you uh, you don't ever have that out of sync issue because you're getting real time recording. So it would even record on my device and upload it uh, when it was done, and you would grab it. So, but that's I'm sure you know, good services cost money. So I'm sure that's just another another thing to spend ten dollars a month free on. Is good. <laughs> yeah, free is good. Yeah. yeah. And what were some of the uh, subjects that some of your songs were about when you had lyrics? Oh, um, it was a hodgepodge of single 20 guy or single guy in his 20s. So there's a lot, a lot of uh, relationship stuff. There was um, spiritual songs. Uh, there were just some kind of making fun of myself songs that I've... I've <laughs> That's been a theme of my life for a long time. I'm okay to make fun of myself. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of all over the place, a lot like my channel is now. Uh, yeah, it's mostly relationship-based, mostly um, singer-songwriter. You know, it just seems like a different life. Every now and again, I go back and listen to it. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> glad I did that. I'm so glad that I made those songs capture those moments um, which I, hopefully i'll feel the same way about these videos at some point when i look back on my... i don't see why you wouldn't i mean it, it doesn't really even serve us to have any thoughts that bring us down so much you know it's like if a thought yeah. comes through that makes you feel that bad that's one of those thoughts to change or throw away right away. And and that's what I yeah. seem to be trying to practice daily now. And you even hear Jim Carrey talking about this kind of stuff. It's like a, a string instrument. You have to tune yourself thousands of times a day uh, yeah. just to feel above water, you know. There's enough weight in the world to, to bring us down on all kinds of things. But to yeah. think I should have never done this or spent time doing that or bought the spent the money to do this it's like it doesn't really bother me so much i like investing in myself if i change my mind i sell it 
I give mm-hmm. it to somebody. Um, I have a, a whole uh, batch of songs that I wrote when I was in college when things were more spiritual for me. And, and I have a, like a bunch of Jesus songs that I've never used anywhere. And I thought, do you rewrite lyrics for these? Or do you try to find a, a publisher that would give them to somebody else, you know? And do you want to do them yourself? Or yeah, it's like, I, I don't want to regret anything. I just like things getting yeah. bigger and bigger and more and more inclusive and more and more loving and more and more gentle with myself and other people and more and more patience. And when I don't have that, it's like, Okay, it's time for a nap. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> I can't handle it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just so much stuff to to enjoy, and I love all the different aspects of the things you've gotten into, and and you want to look back and admire where you've come from. Like I have like 57 journals in my life, and I can go back to 14 years old and see the dreams I had, and the desires, and the equipment I longed for, or the the technology I wished I understood. And it's so great to be us now. It just gets yeah. better and better. And to have more fun with cameras and making videos and having video- films of ourselves and stuff, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's exciting. But then to add the community of it, like mm. you're doing, and that YouTube is providing for us and, and, and helping people stand out to one another to say, oh, we might have something in common. You want to get together yeah. and have a chat? It's it's really cool. I mean, I didn't even know this was going to turn into a podcast. You know, it's like everybody yeah. has a podcast. What a trendy thing to do. I'm not interested in running a podcast. I'm not a host. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just, a, I'm an artist. I'm a record I'm a recording artist. I, I write songs. That's who I really am. That's what I do. And then I think if you take music out of the picture, who are you? And then if there's yeah. no music in your life, who are you? It's like, well, uh, I'm a fun-loving human being. You know, I'm I'm enjoying being on the planet. I want to be here another 50 years. That would be great. I'll live to 110. That sounds good to me. You know, like, uh, especially if we're having fun with all the toys, you know, and, and, and each other. So, yeah, being easy about it is probably what I'm trying to learn more about because I've always taken everything too seriously. Yeah. You relate. I do. <laughs> tell me tell me about it <laughs> oh just taking myself too seriously yeah well I don't know I just I think you're right about all that though that it is nice to have these visual memories and uh, I've had a good yeah, no, I'm just grateful that for the career that, that I've had and the choices that I've made, and I don't look back on any of it with with any regret. I wish that uh, I probably could have, you know, every time I thought I was going to go one direction and, and didn't, uh, there's obviously some disappointment, but then it's been so clear that I am in a position that I am to do the things that I really enjoy now because of so many of those things that seemed like failures or um, dead ends. And so that has helped me with my perspective moving forward that what are things I want to do now? And if they don't happen, well, something else will will come along. And, you know, we all have to determine um, whether or not we are going to enjoy 
what we do or not. I mean, yes, I know some people have a tough, much tougher time and it's hard to find the silver lining, but mm. there have been a lot of people with a lot less that have, that have found happiness and contentment. And so, uh, but there's always that struggle in all of us in the, in the moment. Yeah. That's why I mentioned Dana Wilde because everything is a thought problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, people do have, challenges and stuff and I, I don't want to diminish any of those kinds of things but mm -hmm. for the rest of us you know like a, a friend of mine's always saying are you going to ruin today just because you're upset about something that happened last week you know like why yeah. do you keep doing that it's like you got hit with a fork or something and you're going god that hurt but you keep reminding yourself and hitting yourself again and again about how bad that was and we all have broken hearts and we all have disappointments and it's like, what are we supposed to do with them all? I don't know. It's really helpful sometimes for me to hear about how they told Barbara Streisand she couldn't sing. Or even yeah. her own mother said, who would ever spend money to go and see you sing? Why, why would that happen? It's like every single person, Fred Astaire, dances, sings, dances a little, balding. You know, like they, they had such low... Like, mm. People had no vision. They didn't know what they were seeing. They didn't even... They, they turned down the Beatles twice. Every major label turned them down twice. And I love how people are always badgering McCartney going, when are you going to give it up? When are you going to stop? You've got enough money. What's the matter with you? He's like, what? I'm going to stop because of you. You know, like, yeah. you know, like, that's what I have to say even to any naysayers now. Why should I change my life for anybody? Because somebody says, who is this chick on YouTube? Who does she think she is? It's like, yeah. I'm somebody who has devoted my entire life to the things I love with music, and I don't care who you are, or what you think, you know, it's like, well, and, it really doesn't matter to me. It's and everybody, everybody's opinion matters. <laughs> but what I found is that not if it's hate mail. <laughs> well, but what I found is that when we put it in text, we're all on an equal playing ground, we all have letters, and we can organize them. But then when we, when we, if we actually saw and interacted with some of the people that are throwing the mess at us, mm. we would we would just like, oh, why would I possibly care what that person has to say about right. me? You know, once, but we kind of think that no, they're in this, they're in the, they're a group of people that, and some people do have legitimate feedback. I've got some of that, but you can tell when there's a certain sadness in people when they lob some of these mean things and a certain they've had their own disappointment. So, you know, you want to try to be uh, understanding of it, but it is, but it definitely takes some work to not let that. I know, you know, there are times where I could get 10 amazing comments and get one negative one and you do it easy. It's remember easy that. to remember that negative one. Yeah. And that, and it's just a reminder of how important our words are to other people. You know, you could, yeah. Make well, comments even in passing. Words are to yourself too. Yeah. That's why it's good not to keep repeating those ones. Or like some people in the arts say, they never look at any of the the reviews because they know it's going to torture them. They only yeah. remember the bad ones, and there's no consensus ever. Not yeah. Every single person asks their opinion about any particular thing is going to say this is what that song should be about this is what yeah. that arrangement instrumentation should be this is what your lyrics should have said this is the title you know why did you wear that why would you film it from this direction it's like even that's one of the reasons i didn't want to teach i hate grades i don't see any reason for them 
they get manipulated and somebody's got a lot of money and send their kid to the school and they can't get lower than any other grade and the dean will change their grades anyway. So like, it's like, it's so stupid to me that it doesn't make any sense to even have them. So then the real criteria is actually, what are you learning and, and, and how do you progress? How can I help you move forward and actually do something that matters? You know, yeah. what is the real thing we're actually after here? And that's why I wanted to talk to you because a lot of your videos and the way you talk and the way you seem to put these things together are actually heartfelt and they're real. It's not just for this number or for this algorithm or for this thing. Yeah. Hopefully sell a bar soap or whatever the heck it is. And there's nothing wrong with making money and selling soap. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah. that sometimes you want it to be you know, it's it's like it's if the things have the right balance, then they sit right and you can sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, that's what I'm trying to trying to do. And it's nice to hear other people recognize it. And I'll continue to try to um, just find a way, I, you know, I want people to, there are some areas where I want to make sure that it's clear that I have some, some authority on the matter. You know, if it's a you say you do. You specific you task. Because you say you are. That, that That's the authority you need. Inner authority, inner permission from an artist, is that's all you need. Yeah, just, and just balance that with humility. And, you know, those are things I think about often. You know, I want to give, I want to, if someone wants to learn something from me, I want to, I want to be confident in the way that I communicate that thing. But also, you know, it, there, there are lots of different ways and perspectives, and and uh, this is this is the way I've I've chosen to do it. But you need to put your spin on it, and so I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Would, did you have more? Did you want to say about the cameras or after Da Vinci Resolve? No, get hooked up. Or... That's that's all. That's all imagine. That's all. Uh, I, that's another topic for another podcast, another day. Probably that would take me for ever to make sense of all that uh yeah see the drone video now <laughs> yeah go back and search my paper walls videos paper uh paper trail okay from way back in 2019 that's kind of the genesis of of maybe 2018 i have some stuff on youtube before that but that's that's kind of when i really started getting into uh this That's new part of people started paying attention to YouTube and yeah. all this took off in the directions that it's taken off. Yeah. Cool. What haven't we talked about that actually mattered to you when you thought, Oh, I'm going to be on a podcast. I'd like to talk about. Oh, I think we've, we've covered most of it. We've kicked it around enough. Yeah. I think, I think that's all that people need to hear about me. At this point, after, you know, almost two hours, I think people need to go learn about somebody, you know, learn a guitar part from Jimi Hendrix or or do something else besides this YouTuber. Yeah, get some more Da Vinci Resolve techniques together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, that program. It is. Free version. Yeah, there's not much that the, the paid one does to it. And, and it it's full of... There's a lot to learn. It can be overwhelming too. Oh yeah. In some ways, it's a little bit more of a workaround to do simple tasks, but it can do them so much better. 
but I haven't quite got, I've got to take a step back and learn a few things to, in some ways I felt like my videos looked a little better because I could get what I wanted quicker. So I'm still learning how to use some of these more advanced tools. And instead of learning them, I just finished the video because I'm like, all right, I've spent 30 hours on this video. No one cares what my skin tones look like if they're <laughs> a little too much magenta. So we're going to go ahead and, and put this out there. That's what happens with like, I got to get the right sound on the snare. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, there's getting, there's getting the right sound and there's keeping the thing moving. And if you, if you stall the operation because you can't get the right sound, then you've, you've lost, you know, you've got to, well, you got to balance the your momentum. Now you got to pick it up on another day. <laughs> yeah. 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 There is a guy I just uh, stumbled on on YouTube that's really good with Resolve, and I'll I'll put him in our show notes because I can't think of his name right now, but I'll send you a link. Maybe you've seen his channel, maybe not, but he just showed me a way to do these quick keys that has saved me hours, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, please post that. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out. I mean, I'll check it out to you. Well, thank you so much, John. This was really cool. Well, thanks, Lauren. I, I had a good time. Glad we could do it. Me too. It was really lovely to meet you, and uh, I appreciate your your channel and all the cool things you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for that stuff. All right. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, John. That was a lot of fun. I'm so glad I found your YouTube channel, and I'm so glad you said yes to have a chat. I wish you all the best. Take care, everybody. Let's keep creating. Let's keep making cool things. And keep connecting. Whether you're writing, recording, writing a book, making a painting, having fun making videos and films, go for it. Enjoy. Do your thing. Go to your studio and make stuff.